Hey folks, welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. I'm your host, Sergeant Barrett. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we will be interviewing teammates from around the base and learning about them and their keys to success. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. Today, we are sitting down with Tech Sergeant Ashley Bryant from the Command Post, and she is the NCOIC of Nuclear Command and Control Ops. Sergeant Bryant, how's it going? It's going good. I'm uh, happy to be here, and I can't wait to share my story. Go ahead and start us off, Sergeant Bryant. Yes, sir. So back in 2014, whenever I was stationed at Aviano Air Base in Italy, I, uh, you know, I worked a full 12-hour day shift. You know, had some conversations with my superintendent um, and my supervisor. You know, and after my day shift, went to the gym like I always do, which is right across the street, and uh, worked out for about an hour, hour and a half, and started my drive home. I woke up in the hospital the next morning. So whenever my coworkers came to visit me, and I was trying to figure out what I was doing in the hospital, you know, they, they told me that apparently on my way home from from the gym after working, I got into a head-on collision with an Italian national and their daughter. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I had no memory of, of any of that, barely any memory of the day before. It was just crazy. And they, you know, they showed me pictures of my car. You know, my hood was 10 feet away. Uh, front end was all crashed in. The windshield had like a head-shaped spider crack in it mm. as if, you know, I, my head you know, smashed into it and then came back. And that kind of led investigators and police to think that I wasn't wearing my seatbelt until they saw my seatbelt bruises mm-hmm. um, from from the accident. My airbag didn't go off. Weirdly enough, though, my passenger side one did, but I was the only one in the car. Mm. So, yeah, so my coworkers started telling me about how they received a call from the current OSS commander. Um, from, you know, they called in the command post, one of my coworkers picked up, and I get, he asked, "Hey, does a, a Sergeant Ashley Bryant work work there?" And they said yes. And he that's when he stated that he was at a scene of an accident where I was involved, and I was unconscious. It's it's, re- it's just really crazy to me, because again, everything I just told you, I don't remember. It it was from people telling me my coworkers. You know, people at the gym had to kind of tell me, yeah, you were at the gym that day. So that's the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's a question I had. So when you say you barely remember the day before, at what point does, does that stop? Does your memory stop of that day? So I remember going to work, you know, and kind of working my normal shift, but the conversation with my supervisor and superintendent that I had, going to the gym, no memory driving home, no memory, and then obviously whenever the wreck happened, like I don't, the OSS commander kind of stated that he he found me and I was able to tell him my name and where I worked, because then that was it. I was just, I was unconscious after wow. that. And uh, that's when he called the command post, but it's nothing. Like I, till this day, I don't remember anything. And actually I had to go to Vincenza, 45 minutes away, the army base there in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, for physical therapy, for occupational therapy, for um, sleep therapy, I guess you can call it. 
um, during occupational therapy found out that I lost a couple levels of, of feeling in my hands mm-hmm. because of, you know, the impact and, and all that stuff. But I, you know, I was still able to regain, um, and not regain, but kind of, I was able to keep my work knowledge. But then on the other hand, stuff like my childhood memories gone. Is that, uh, is that still to this day there? Some of them yeah, are gone? They're, wow. They're, they're gone. My mom and I will, will talk about them and occupational therapists kind of said, Hey, if you can see pictures of, you know, your childhood and like, you know, if your mom kind of talks to you about like, Oh yeah, this is what was happening that day. That'll help maybe kind of bring it back, mm-hmm. but it's not going to come back on its own. Um, same thing with the incident with the accident that if it were to come back, it would be through through dreams of some sort because mm-hmm. um, that was my mind repressing a traumatizing situation to protect me. And it's kind of ironic, you know, going into all this because I'm actually in school for social psychology <laughs> and I just, I love this kind of stuff to learn about dreams and how, you know, it, things that are repressed kind of come up in the dreams and I can completely relate. It's just, it's just mind-boggling to me and it's just, yeah, it's 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 insane. So, so you're still dealing with some of the memory stuff, memory loss stuff to this day, right? Is there are there any other? Well, here let's let's just do this. So, uh, take take me on the on your your road to recovery. So, you wake up in the hospital the next morning. You have no clue where you are or what, or what why you're there. Right. So, take take us from there. What happened next? All right. So, you know, my coworkers came in, and then my superintendent came in, and. You know, they're like, yeah, and again, you were you were in a car accident last night. You know, it was myself. It was it was uh, you know Sergeant Landry, Sergeant Barry, some other coworkers f- from work. Um, and you kept on asking, you know, what happened? What am I doing here? And we would have to tell you you're in a car accident. You're in the hospital. You're gonna get checked out. So every five minutes, they said, I I just keep asking the same question over and over again. And then it was to the point to where, you know, my superintendent, she, she told me she asked me if, uh, if she wanted me to, if she wanted, if, oh, I'm sorry, if I wanted her to give my parents a call to kind of let them know what, what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I guess my response was, am I dying? Am I going to die? Uh-huh. And then, you know, they told me no. I was like, then no, it's fine. Like, well, you can wait. Oh, wow. Um, so that was a Thursday night, got out of the hospital Sunday morning. I made the mistake of posting this on Facebook before calling my mom. Mom oh, okay. was very upset at me. But again, I feel like I just probably wasn't just the one thinking clearly. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah, my mom was like, why didn't they call? Like, they shouldn't have trusted anything you said because of, like, you just got into a car accident. Like, mm-hmm. I should have known the day. I was like, okay, mom, don't be mad at them. Be mad at be mad at me because I'm the one that told him not to. But yeah, so that was that was crazy. So, so of course, so it was, it was Italian hospital, and after you know that Sunday, so I'm home on Sunday, and Monday I was able to get a follow up with my PCM because mm-hmm. in Italy you don't get they don't give you narcotics or pain medicine. They were pretty much giving me Tylenol and IV, and I'm like, oh, this is great because I I'm. Kind of in pain. So that's not the military medical. That was the Italian right. medical system. Okay. Right. So I was 
So they took me, it was the Italian ambulance that responded Mm -hmm. uh, to the incident. So Italian ambulance, Italian hospital, uh, there were Italian doctors and nurses, and there was a patient advocate that was there that would kind of help, kind of help me figure out what's going on. Like, what am I doing? How long am I staying here for? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand. But uh, the hospital food was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, But no no pain meds. Um, (laughs) So Monday... Following that, I uh, saw my PCM. They gave me, you know, some pain meds, and I was, you know, off work for two or three weeks. But during that time, I had, had medical appointments where one of them was optometry, and they found out that with the impact in my head hitting the windshield, that uh, it actually knocked my line of sight off to the left a little bit. Okay. So, like, what I thought I was seeing straight on, it was actually over, and it was kind of affecting balance and in the way I would walk and stuff like that so they actually had to give me glasses that was off-centered but to correct my vision to go huh. back it was really crazy so you're wearing glasses now did you wear glasses before I did you did okay yeah and it's weird because during the impact so I had an earring missing and my glasses were just nowhere to be found because I was able to go see the car in the in the junkyard mm. um, before they disposed of it because it was just completely totaled and I was looking inside and like you know I was with my coworker because seeing my car and then like seeing how I no broken bones no injured anything so like bumps and bruises from like the seatbelt mm-hmm. seeing my car you would think I would be laid up in the hospital for months yeah because it was just, just crashed in windshield hooded off crazy and uh i'm very strong in my faith mm. so i 100 percent believe you know god had his hand on me as i was driving home because it doesn't make sense did you walk out of the hospital when they released you okay wow yep okay. i wish i had the pictures i have them somewhere but uh but yeah, it was it was crazy to see the car but about a month later i was able to get you know another two thousand dollar car so I can have something to to get around in and, and things like that. But and that's another thing. I feel not only was my brain protecting me, but I feel like God was protecting me by not letting me remember this kind of stuff so I wouldn't be traumatized or afraid of driving again, of um, driving in the rain. Because it was, I got a 20 euro ticket because I was driving too fast for conditions because it was raining outside mm-hmm. and it was slippery. So I wasn't even speeding um, the other car didn't have insurance. They went to the hospital for precautionary reasons. Mm. So they weren't injured. Oh, wow. And it was like, so it was like coming around a bend. So I was coming this way. They were coming this way. And right where it curved, so my car slipped. And they feel that because I didn't have any injuries, such as like broken bones, that I either fell asleep, being fatigued and tired, mm-hmm. or I was I got distracted and I was just, leaning down, doing something, which I never do. It's not my driving pattern. That, yeah, that I was, I was just fatigued. And I right. Was, so you were, you were relaxed. You weren't, you didn't brace for the impact. Exactly. You just let it happen. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you get back home, you talk to your PCM and walk us through that process. If you don't mind, what, what, what was the outcome of that? I'm sure you had to go do some sort of, you know, therapies or whether right. it be for you know, memory loss or the trauma of it, like you said, to get back in the car. So what type of, of, of stuff did you have to work through after that? Right. So after that, every Thursday, 
I uh, had to make a trip to Vincenza, 45 minutes away from base, to where they provided me occupational therapy, to where I would go in there, first would work on my memory. Um, it's really cool because she actually showed me some apps I still use today to help with strengthening of the brain and the memory process and, and trying to keep me sharp and getting that mm -hmm. reaction back. Um, we all, that's where she tested um, the feeling in my hands and that's how I found out. Mm -hmm. Like holding a piece of paper, like my ID card, if it's, if it's more than like a minute, I would have to look at my hand to correlate. I'm holding on to something so I don't drop it or I just got to squeeze it harder than usual. To and and that's still like that to this yeah. day? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's, yeah, it's just crazy how all that, that works together. So, so yeah, so I, I, I did that for, that was August and then probably through December. And then on the same day, I would go over next door to physical therapy and we would just work on, um, like we were doing just like mobility exercises uh, with the neck and the legs because those got really stiff and sore from everything. Mm -hmm. um, so were you having any motor function problems with that or it was just, you were just like sore from the actual impacts? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was just, it was just soreness. So yeah, so really um, physical therapy helped me out with that. And then the sleep therapy, I forget the actual name, but it, she helped me track my sleep patterns and like, am I waking up because I could possibly be dreaming about what happened? Mm -hmm. um, how can I get more restful sleep? That type of thing. What was So what was going on with your sleep? You weren't, you weren't just were waking up throughout the night or right. you were sleeping through the night, but you, you were waking up tired still. Right. So yeah, so I had no issues going to sleep, but then I would just wake up a couple, couple hours later, be up maybe doze off, but then wake up again. So I just wasn't staying asleep. I wasn't getting my, my true REM cycle sleeping yeah. patterns. Okay. And again, they, they thought maybe it was something to do again with the trauma to the head and losing consciousness and concussion. Um, cause they did do a CAT scan the night in the hospital. Cause I guess I just kept on complaining. Um, well, my memory loss every five minutes asking the same question. And I think I was complaining that my head hurt. Mm -hmm. So they, yeah, they, again, they said they did a CT scan, came back clean, then they gave me another one the next morning. And then I, and then I was still like, oh, like it hurt. Um, so they kept me for about two nights in the hospital. But yeah, so that was, everything was clean, cool. But yeah, Vicenza from August to December. And the craziest thing is that was the same time that I was uh, selected for deployment. Huh. So you know, going back and forth. My PCM never put me on a no deployment profile, you know, and they're talking about like with glaucomas, but they're like, you can't do that because she's not medically disqualified. Mm -hmm. You know, all this back and forth. And my providers at Vincenza, they were trying to fight it. They're like, what are you doing? She just got in an accident. She's still in rehab for the most part. Um, but I ended up going January 15th is when I left for IUD. Uh-huh. So. Did, did any of the, the um, that medical therapy or anything like that continue in IUD or did it just, no. just stop while you were there? Yeah. So I guess pretty much in December, whenever I went for like the clearances and stuff before you deploy, 
I I felt I was ready to go, and I'm always gun ho about deployments. Like, put me on the next one. Like, I love it. I love serving. Mm-hmm. Love doing my time. Um, so I was a huge advocate of me. You know, I'm good. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm not in pain anymore. I feel like my memory's getting better. So they, you know, they signed me off, but they didn't think to consult with my providers in Vincenza. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, yeah, they were kind of upset. But um, but I, I ended up going. And the really cool thing, though, during that recovery time was I had neighbors and, uh, you know, I would go to church with them and be off base. And uh, just having that strong church family as well, part of the recovery program was huge for mm-hmm. me. I was able to testify and tell my story there. And uh, again, like seeing the car and seeing me, like I said, walking out of the hospital d- didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And but I, you know, I give it all to God for protecting me. Yeah. So, so yeah. So what what parts of that? Because um, that's got to be frustrating when you're you know you have these memories, you know you've been through this stuff, but you can't remember it, or you know you you can't feel your fingers, or you you know, or you're you're um, you know you're dealing with that. So what was the what were the most frustrating parts of that? What what, what points did you kind of want to give up? There had to have been a couple at least, right? So so whenever I was in PRP status personal reliability program for the job I was doing at Aviano. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever things like this happen, or even whenever you start taking new medication, you get suspended from PRP, just so you can see what effects it has on you. Is it going to affect your ability to work? Things like that. So whenever I got into my car accident, I was, you know, suspended from PRP, you know, and they was finally getting back to work. And, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of knowledge do you still have? Did it affect the way you know the job? Does it affect the knowledge that you have about the job? Um, what did it take away, if anything? So we started assessing. You know, I would, I would work a couple shifts. Um, and as I was working on those shifts, I started to realize, all right, like I, I still know the foundation of this mission. I still know what to do. I still understand messages and everything we have to do um the things really started happening awesome but the things that i cannot like grasp that made me frustrated was like say like i was given a task by my supervisor to go okay go update these three binders they're all identical you got three um copies of these documents you just, just go put them in each book Cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would go put them in. I was like, okay, it's done. And then he'll go and check, and I only did two. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I could have sworn I did them all. And I'm very particular and um, just very, um, you know, the right word for it. Um, I take pride in my work ethic to mm-hmm. the point to where, like, okay, you tell me to do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right the first time. Don't tell me again. Always been like that everywhere I've gone. So when that happened... So this is a new struggle for you then. This is new territory. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I really thought I I did the last book. But yeah, sure enough, I didn't. And I'm like, I don't even know where that paper went. So like my memory 
combined with like thinking I did it, but I didn't. So frustrating. So it's overcome that. You know, I just really, I made sure I was focused. I wasn't thinking about anything else. And it was kind of like one of those go from point A to point B, no stops in between. Mm -hmm. Just so I know that I'm going to get this task done. No distractions, no chance of me missing something. Mm-hmm. So I started following in that routine, and as I started doing that more and more, it just started to become natural again. And then I was able to, some my brain started like, okay, cool, this is what you got to do, we're going to do it. Okay. And then now, and that led me to just a natural ability again to be, oh, you want me to do that? Okay, I'm going to go do it now. But I want to go get a drink real quick from the break room. Awesome. And then now, because I did the point A to point B with no distractions for so long, now I'm able to add in a little bit of distractions okay. and still do the task. And I was going to ask that because what what rank were you in all this? Staff sergeant. Staff sergeant, okay. So as you get more rank, you have to switch tasks sometimes. Right. So has that been an issue for you or has that, like, has your ability to focus and, and go from point A to point B and then eventually add these stops off in between, has that enabled you to be able to switch tasks or do you still have to kind of pick and choose when you do them yeah no i'm a so it's been what it's 2020 now it's Mm -hmm. been what six years yeah over these six years i've i've gotten back pretty much 100 percent to where i was for the accident to where i I would be able to oh i need to go buy this for the gpc i need to update that checklist okay i need to post that to the controller information file Mm -hmm. cool got it and i'm able to do like i'm I'm putting this in the SIF, but then while I'm waiting for people to sign it, I'm putting stuff, I'm updating the checklist, um, and then I'm able to go back to finish the SIF, so I'm back, pretty much back to being able to multitask like I used to before the accident. But it took, it took some time, and it took some self-discipline and training uh, of myself to, to get back to that. So instead of being like, oh man, I'm never gonna get this accident, like I'm done. It was nope, nope. I'm gonna get through it. I knew I know where I was before this, and I'm gonna get back, and I'm gonna be even better because mm-hmm. this isn't gonna cut it. Yeah, that's that, that's a good mentality. So it, it's good that you were, did you did you use any? I know you kind of just talked about it with the with the you know having having yourself focus on the task and not veer off. But what kind of stuff did you tell yourself? Did you have like a like a specific phrase you tell yourself, or did you have like a you know, uh, I don't know, like some sort of a, not mantra, but, you know, trying to say like something that you would go to, 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 to refocus yourself or tell yourself, no, I'm not going to give up. Um, so, so not really like a phrase, but just the mindset of I'm not going to disappoint. I'm not going to disappoint my leaders. I'm not going to disappoint my supervisors. They're going to know when they tell me to do something even after my accident, it's going to get done. And mm. they're not going to have to double-check my work. They know that it's taken care of, and they can move on with something else. Okay. But my biggest thing is I hate if somebody tells me they're disappointed in me, if I let them down, you know, and I, I want to do my best for every single boss that I work for. Mm. So I told myself I am not going to be the one that they have to micromanager they have to go behind and ensure it got done because that's just not right it's unacceptable 
I shouldn't have to do that. I'm not going to be that staff sergeant. So I'm going to do everything I can to prove to them that I am the staff sergeant that they can trust, that they can give something to and then not have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. So. Okay, awesome. So it sounds like you really were more focused on the mission and others than yourself, and that's kind of what helped you get through that more so. Right. Wow. Um, did you have any problems driving again after that? No, again, no, not at all. Like I, because it was a, it was a stick shift. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much all I have over there. And I went to the same dealership that I got first car from. Kind of saw what was going on and got me a similar vehicle, similar price, and mm -hmm. worked with me with payments and stuff. And got in it like nothing ever happened. Like it was okay. it's nuts how that worked out. So even on a rainy day or whatever, nothing kind of came back and no. And uh, okay. Yeah, because I, because again, like, you know, I feel because I don't remember the situation for myself. I don't remember being in it at all. And all I know is what people tell me mm -hmm. that it's not traumatizing because I never went through those feelings mm -hmm. of, of getting into that wreck of, of seeing that I just hit somebody head on. You know, there, there was nothing there to to traumatize me. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. So what, what are your thoughts on resili resiliency now that you have gone through all this? Do you have a different way of viewing it or do you still view it as you did before? So, and I asked that because in Miss Altmaier, if you're listening, don't, don't get mad at me, but I'm pretty sure we had just started doing resiliency around 2014. I don't remember too much of the training just before then. So I don't remember it being like a, a thing that was pushed really. Um, so that's why I, that's why I asked that question is now that now that resilience training is a, is a thing in the Air Force. Um, what, what are your thoughts on all that stuff? You know, so it's crazy because I feel like naturally, you know, having resilience and resiliency training or not, I feel that I already had that instilled in me just mm -hmm. for the way that I. I am the way I think, the way I grew up from my mom, you know, telling me like, you can do anything, doesn't matter. Like whenever, you know, you fall down on your bike, you gotta get back up and you gotta try again because you're gonna get it. Eventually you just gotta keep on trying. So I think even as a kid, for me, not knowing what it was, I had resiliency when I was trying to learn how to ride a bike. Because mm -hmm. my mom taught me not to give up. So, you know, whenever I went through my car accident, and you know again same thing not even thinking about the true definition of resiliency relating it to resiliency the way we do now it's just my mentality mm -hmm. of okay i got knocked down got in this car accident affecting my memory um you know it's affecting the way i do some of my work but i know i can get back to the way i was that i can be better and i'm going to overcome it i'm going to overcome it with my faith, with my friends, my family, with the mentality of not wanting to disappoint my leadership or myself, knowing that I'm performing less than what I know I can, less than my best, I want to strive to go from point A of, you know, trying to work through my memory issues and forgetting things and, and not doing things exactly right to you know moving on to where cool i got it 
I'm going to do it right now and get it done. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah, growing up, family, my mentality, my work ethic, you know, like I truly want to give my best to whoever I'm working for, whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had the choice after my accident. I probably could have requested to, you know, get med boarded if I wanted to. Yeah. But I didn't, and that actually wasn't even a thought in my head. I'm not going to give up. This isn't going to defeat me. I'm going to strive to to be where I was and be even better. Mm-hmm. So that's why the whole deployment thing, you know, I, I got deployed, and then I forward deployed to Kuwait because they needed someone to help out with the contractors there because a lot of people quit. Um, I was hand-selected by the commander to go do that because of the things I was doing at mm-hmm. LUD already. And it's just, you can't let a bad situation keep you down. Like you you have to overcome it because there's so much more, something so much better on the other side. You just do what you have to do to get through that bad situation. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you have a pretty much the same view on it as you did before, and that's really good. Yeah. Now, a question that I've got for you, because I know you're you, – you like to lift weights and you mm-hmm. do competitions. So has that numbness in your hands affected any of that at all? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like I am squeezing for my life whenever I'm having to deadlift or do my farmer carry handles. Ugh, um, what else? When we're hanging on to um, like doing the Atlas Stones or Stone Over Bar. Mm-hmm. Like You will see me squeezing with all I have to ensure... I will not let go of whatever I'm hanging on to. <laughs> so is that something that you actually need to do that, or is that a mental thing for you so you so you don't feel like you're about to let go of it, even though you may, you're probably fine? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a combination. I mean, the, the weight I'm doing, I mean, yeah, you want to squeeze as hard as you can so you don't drop it and then you're just eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I have to give a little bit more effort than most because of the the few levels of feeling that I don't already have. Right. So, is that something that you had to work your way back up to as well, into the, in the lifting? It was. It was. I because uh, I probably didn't work out for like a month after my accident, only because like trying to get my head together, wrap my head around it. the memory thing is what got me the most. Trying mm-hmm. to wrap my head around that, um, and then just trying to get back into work, making sure I could hang on to my job knowledge and and you know get that refreshed because um, I was able I was got my PRP back you know I did another PRP position at Instralic, um after Aviano so that was my main focus make sure my my work I can still get back to work and do the best that I can and then trying to figure out you know the memory thing and going through like ups and downs but coming to the conclusion that I'm not gonna remember my childhood like I used to mm-hmm. so just internally dealing with that kind of kept me from the gym but then when I got back in the gym you know I lost some strength but I just just went at it like again it was like I'm gonna be better than what I was before my accident yeah so and I asked that because um I, I know um, we've talked before about your your the gym and you seem to be I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you a gym rat that's what you yeah. seem to be <laughs> um and so when you don't have that to fall back on during the frustration of trying to regain your memory it's got to be tough and then you get into the gym and you can't do what you used to be able to do right so the fact that you were able to just 
not go home and sit on the couch and eat donuts and, and watch TV and say, I guess I can't do that anymore. It speaks a lot that you just didn't give up on that. Right. Um, and I just had another question in my head, but then I completely forgot what I was going to ask you about that. So maybe, maybe it'll pop in after. <laughs> but uh, so what, what, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from this whole entire experience? So I would have to say, man, I, right now, you know, I'm probably at the best spot in my career when it comes to being a tech sergeant 16 years in the United States Air Force. You know, I have an awesome superintendent that, you know, is already telling me that I deserve to be running my own command post as a superintendent, that mm-hmm. um, he just hopes next year, because I, I miss master this year, but he hopes next year that the Air Force will realize, you know, they have a great mass sergeant, you know, sitting in front of them. I just, I just need the rank. That's, you know, it was awesome to hear. But to realize that I am getting those kind of compliments and my work ethic is just the best it's ever been. I have amazing airmen. I have great rapport with everybody in my work center. Um, knowing that's where I'm at now, even after what happened in 2014 knowing that I can overcome something that traumatic and I am I couldn't be in a better place right now Mm -hmm. so it's just you know I've I've just learned can't give up because again like I said before something better is waiting for you you just get through it Mm -hmm. because I could have determined a whole different outcome on this, I would probably be at a in a worse spot in my life if I had just started giving up after my car accident, mm-hmm. giving up on the job whenever I disappointed my supervisor when I couldn't put copies of a document in these three binders. Mm-hmm. But instead, I said, "Nope, I'm going to overcome it, and I'm going to be better." So just. <laughs> I got you. You just learned that, um, you know, just like you said a couple times, just keep pushing through and what's on the other side is, is much better than what you think it is. And, um, and I remembered my question now too. So, because you, you kind of, you said it before where you just kind of came to terms with the fact that there's just some memories you're not going to get back. So w- walk me through that a little bit. What was that? What was that like when you just finally sat down and said, you know what? It's not worth trying to worry about this anymore. I'm just these. I don't have these memories, and I'm just going to move forward and not worry about it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was talking to my mom about it, and you know, when I came to the terms of that, I was just like, okay, like it's okay. Like I know I had a great childhood. Like when I talked to my mom, she'll, you know, we would Facetime. She would bring up, you know, pictures and tell me about situations. Like, like there's a picture of me, like in a, like a little mouse yellow raincoat and I'm holding on to mousies it's a little stuffed animal that she gave me when I was three that my dad gave her on their first date and I still have it to this day and mm-hmm. it's actually in my son's nursery room mm-hmm. um and she was like yeah like this is right after we gave you mousy um and you know it's raining outside so he has a little jacket on you know so we just you just took a picture because you're just so cute so like her, even though I came to terms, I'm not going to have these memories, but my mom telling me about them, it's almost like I'm recreating them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's 
That's okay. And it, it is what it is. Um, the next best thing, I'm getting it through my mom and my dad and my sisters, going through, you know, pictures of everything. Like that, that truly makes me happy. And mm -hmm. like when we can sit down and look at the pictures. Okay. So the memories that I actually lost, you know what, it's okay. Because I still have my family who I had those memories with back then. And they're able to tell me about those mm -hmm. those memories to help to help me, you know, realize I I did have a great childhood. So, were you married when all this happened? Nope, okay. I was uh, single. I didn't get married till 2017 when I met my wife in uh, in Turkey. So very recent mm -hmm. marriage. So yeah, I was by myself living off base. I had my my little min pin with me. And that's little, what, what, little that? min pin, miniature pincher. Okay. And it's funny because that night, whenever the accident happened, you know, one of my coworkers realized, like, oh my gosh, she has her dog, Houston. So his name's Houston. Um, we gotta go get him. We gotta go get him, especially if she's staying overnight in the hospital. So like nobody knew where my keys were, you know. So he actually found a window that he could kind of crack open. Mm -hmm. And he climbed through the window, got my pup, took care of him for the entire time that I was in the hospital, mm -hmm. and like a couple of days after, so I could kind of recuperate. And uh, yeah, that was that was the coolest thing. They're like, yeah, we kind of had to break into your house, but it's okay, we didn't damage anything. <laughs> I was like, awesome, and they and they just took care of him. I was like, oh yeah, they were the best. So yeah. Okay, so you were able to rely on your your uh, office mates or your yeah. shop. To help you out there, that's great. So, winding all this down here, we pretty much hit all of our talking points, which is great. Um, what are our three takeaways that you'd like to leave people with who are maybe going through a difficult time and uh, are looking for some some just assistance or guidance or some resiliency themselves? Yeah. So, don't ever think that you're alone. Because you're not. So there's always going to be someone out there that can help you, that will listen to your situation, to your issue. Even if you're not looking for advice, like just being able to talk and just kind of like have a sounding board, that helps. And then... Who did you go to? Who was your sounding board? Um, so I went So I went to... Uh, she's now a chief, but my superintendent at the time... Um, I, I talked to her a lot, and then also my neighbors um, who I would go to church with. Mm -hmm. So after my accident, they were, gosh, they helped out so much. Um, and I would be over there, like we'd have dinner a lot, and they'd check in on me, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was my neighbors and yeah, definitely my superintendent. So that was, that was good, and it helps tremendously, because I, I love talking about like my feelings and like I wear my emotions on my sleeve and once I'm done talking about it, like I, I do, I feel better and I feel like I'm gonna go help out others. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so the second thing is, you know, don't beat yourself up over something that you feel like you messed up or you made a mistake, like, Overcoming those mistakes, learning from those mistakes, is probably 
biggest thing that you can do to help yourself move forward. Because um, I and again, I can't say it enough, but you can overcome whatever situation you're going through. You're gonna hit rock bottom, but once you overcome it with the way of thinking, the way you feel about something, um, you can get back to being happy. Like being in the dark, being you know in a crummy situation. That's it's not it for you. Mm. There, there is something better, but you have to work for it. You overcome it with your resources around you, your chapel, your friends, your family, um, going to the gym, going hiking, going running, um, clearing your head, trying to really figure out, you know, what is happening. Um, it's yeah, it's it's huge. Like just overcoming that issue and not giving up. But I mean, there's only two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't if you don't have a third one, that's fine. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and and talking with me today. Um, definitely a, a um, story about resilience and, and overcoming, you know memory loss and you know the numbness in your hands but getting back to a place where you feel like you are are excelling now which is really awesome so thank you very much for sitting down and, and sharing that story uh, before before we end is there anything else you'd like to leave everybody with or anything else anything else you'd like to say uh yeah so ironically my supervisor that i disappointed in aviano he is actually now my superintendent here mm-hmm. which is pretty cool um, gosh, and he when he got here last September and I found out he was coming here, I was like, oh man, like this is my chance to prove to him that I'm not that that staff sergeant that disappointed him six years ago, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he's the one, he's the one telling me that I am ready for my own command post, that I am ready to be a superintendent. Six years ago, he was the one I was disappointing by not putting a document in a binder because of my memory loss. Mm-hmm huge turnaround and I told him I said if there is one person I could go back and prove and show that I've changed for the better within the Air Force it would be you and it's so ironic that you are here now as my superintendent Mm -hmm. you got that chance got that chance that's awesome yeah that's awesome all right Sergeant Bryant well again appreciate you sitting down and and talking to us and um, good luck Hope Thank that you. Uh, you do make Master Sergeant this year and that we do see you running your own command post here in the future. Definitely um, enjoyed hearing your story about how you overcame all that stuff. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Until next time. Well, that's it for this episode of the Refuel Team Fair Child podcast. If you have show ideas, people you'd like to hear from, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, contact us at F A F B C A A at gmail.com.